Hi, everyone, and welcome back to On Our Shelves, the podcast. I'm Annabelle. And I'm Sarah. And welcome to episode two of our podcast. Very exciting. So in this episode, we'll be chatting about Emma by Jane Austen, and we thought we would just jump right into it. So a little bit of background, as we talked about in our last episode, the Regency era is full of stratified society, women lack rights, and marriage is a very important economic decision, especially for the landed gentry and the elite, as well as shopkeepers and those like a little bit higher tier people. And that's kind of the marriage mart is kind of what this whole story revolves around. Yeah, so it's set in a small town where our main character, Emma, is basically the richest person in town. She's kind of annoying. She loves playing matchmaker with the townspeople. She definitely views them as her little toys since she has literally nothing else to do. So the plot is basically just people coming and going from the town and the drama that occurs while they're in town. And because this book is, uh, I feel like, a lot more character-driven, we're going to be focusing our discussion a lot more on the characters and the characterizations that are honestly still relevant to today. Yes. For example, Mr. Woodhouse is the first character we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about like the actual main characters at the end. But Mr. Woodhouse is Emma's dad, and he hates the cold, and he's really afraid of being sick and anyone around him being sick. He also loves his family a lot, and he has attachment issues. But basically, he's like the web MD person who like, you get like a tickle in your throat and you're like, is it cancer? It has to be cancer. And you just like freak out and go to the doctor yeah, and all that stuff. Yeah, it can't be stuff. a cold. It has to be cancer. Yes. And I will say this a lot, but like, who doesn't know someone like that? Like, everyone knows someone like that. Yeah, they got their degree at webmd.com. They did. The next character is Harriet, who is Emma's friend. She has unknown birth parents and she like, she's really young and Emma takes her under her wing and she defers to Emma for basically all decisions. And she's also like the subject of Emma's matchmaking schemes. But it's really funny because there was, there's one scene in particular where Harriet was proposed to through letter. So Mr. Martin, who is like a farmer, proposes to her through letter. And she basically comes over to Emma and is like, oh my God, what do I do? What do I say? And let's be honest, who hasn't done that? Like you get a text from a guy or you yeah, match with like someone on Hinge the, the or whatever it is. text is co-authored by like three other people. Yes, exactly. So you just like send it around and you're like, is this desperate? Is this okay? Like, what do I say? Do I say yes? Do I go? And the other fun part, when Emma's playing matchmaker, basically when she knows that Harriet's kind of into it, she keeps like being like, ooh, Mr. Elton likes you. Like, like see, he did this. That totally means he likes you. So yeah. she just like... Emma just like hype Harriet up the whole time. So also, like that like, relationship has when, a lot of parallels. Yeah, whenever Mr. Martin, like whenever she talks about Mr. Martin, then Emma is like, hmm, yeah, I guess. <laughs> That's one way to look at it. Yeah. And then like con- compares him to Mr. Elton, which obviously bites her in the, in the ass. Yes, exactly. Annabelle, would you like to talk about the Eltons? Yes, I'd love to. They're literally the worst. Mr. Elton starts out as, oh, he's the the vicar of Highbury. He's basically 
the priest religious dude to me. Yeah, just basically, the, the local he does, religious figure. Yeah, he does the messages on Sundays and like takes care of the parish or whatever. Thank you, Sarah. You're welcome. So he's young and he's unmarried and he seems like a gentleman and you'd think because he is a religious figure that he would be nice, but turns out he's not. He's real gross. Yeah, he's like, I don't know what the analogy would be, but just like those people where like until you do something that they don't like, they are going to be nice to you and then as soon as like you say no to them or something, that's when they become the worst person ever. Mm -hmm. And that's basically Mr. Elton and... Throughout the novel, Emma is trying to pawn off Miss Harriet Smith <laughs> onto Mr. Elton. And Mr. Elton seems like he's going along with it, but turns out he's going along with it because he wants Emma and her money. And then when she rejects him, he yeets out of there immediately, gets married to Mrs. Elton. Well, I don't remember her name before if she's Mrs. Elton. Oh, I don't remember it either. I don't even know her first name. Whatever. He goes on off to get married. He gets a Mrs. Elton. And he brings her back. She is classist, annoying, somehow even more annoying than Emma. And she literally does not shut up about Maple Grove. Like, ma'am, I don't care what happened at Maple Grove. I literally could not care less. And I could not care less how Maple Grove compares to Highbury, but she has to let you know that Highbury is not as good. But the very fun part about this is, like, if any of you guys have friends or have yourself studied abroad you'll know exactly what I'm talking about Um, she's the study abroad friend yeah she Jesus uh, Christ when I was in the Netherlands when I was in France when I was at Notre Dame um when I went to Russia this this is a self call out also (laughs) literally whenever I go back to DC I'm like when I was studying here when I was interning here like I did this and I found this literally I recognize that I'm the worst person in the world and I saw myself in Mrs. Elton so that's kind there of you have it it's an uncomfortable <laughs> realization to have <laughs> yes speaking of annoying people being the worst and seeing yourself in them so basically a self call out Miss Bates is a spinster and she like used to be rich but now since she's a spinster she's Not... pretty much at the mercy of pretty much everyone else and she just talks and talks and talks and it's like it's one of those monologues where you start a sentence in one section and then you you end your section a sentence on like a completely different topic which so that's I how admit, me and sarah talk yeah that is how we talk in most situations but she's also harmless and she just like is a hype woman for jane fairfax and for emma even though emma is high key mean to her she has good intentions she and does she doesn't really i don't really think she ever says anything mean she just she just no, talks she just talks so much and, and like, about like kind of nothing in particular or the same five things over yeah. and over again yeah but you know again who doesn't so yeah that's miss bates um, and mr churchill mm-hmm. he's the rich son of mr weston who is a minor character and earlier in the novel Emma's governess actually married him. He, she married Mr. Weston. Just yeah she married Mr. Weston but Mr. Churchill is not related. To, he is Mr. Weston's child from like a different marriage. marriage. Yeah. yeah so Mr. Churchill is basically this enigma and he's supposed to come visit them and he just keeps not showing up for some reason and Emma is completely fascinated with him and Knightley is not. He 
does not trust this man and he's like why is he not showing up and so basically mr churchill is a character who's not present for a while but is discussed at length and is also another uh, point of contention between knightley and emma because emma kind of likes him and mm-hmm. she's never met him she's literally only heard like five things about this man and she's <laughs> kind of like yeah i'm interested and, and then, then jane fairfax we're, we said that she's emma's childhood nemesis but that's like kind of a strong word like i don't think like it's not is it mutual i don't think it's necessarily mutual because i think jane wanted to be emma's friend but emma viewed her as a, like a threat yeah emma wanted to be the best and yeah. Emma wanted to be the center of attention, and then Jane would just casually do something. Yeah. Like, Basically, Jane is good at everything, and Emma is jealous of her. But Emma has more money, so she's, like, in, in a better situation. But basically, it's messy. And are we going to talk about the messy? bombshell? That's true. Are we going to talk about the bombshell right now or later? Well, let's just get it out of the way. So, okay. spoiler. Spoiler. Okay, Jane also is a character that is discussed at length, mostly through Miss Bates, but doesn't really show up until the end of the novel when Mr. Churchill shows up and lo and behold they are actually in a secret engagement which I did not like I did not like that I thought Jane got the short end of the stick she really did because Mr. Churchill is like a little bit trash but also better than Mr. Elton so okay, I guess yeah, it's okay. but also he low-key like flirted with Emma before okay, his high key he high key flirted with Emma yeah and knowing full well that jane is there and like he's secretly engaged to jane also he was like high-key cruel to jane like Like, he was always like oh so she did her hair bad and then with the present and then but he got her a piano Mm. but he was like talking to emma and i mean emma was being a bitch when she was like "Ooh, maybe that mr other guy had a like was in love with jane so then she he sent her a piano and churchill who literally was the one who sent the piano was like yeah (laughs) basically jane is was like engaged in an illicit affair with this other man it's like i know like you were trying to throw off the scent but like he's trying a little too hard yeah he's like going to an extreme (laughs) that you don't need to go to yeah like literally just ignore her (laughs) or just like babe come on yeah back it up yeah do not like that zero out of ten so we also don't really like mr churchill but we i feel like we do like jane fairfax we do like jane fairfax we do so it's time to get into the the meat, the real... Dig temp- our teeth in. Yeah, let's dig our teeth into this discussion because we're going to chat about our main gal, Emma Woodhouse. So she's rich. She's the richest girl in town, in this small town, where she doesn't have to compete to be the center of attention. She just is because she is the richest, the best when Jane Fairfax is not there. <laughs> she's definitely classist. She's kind of annoying and careless. And she treats other people kind of like her little like playthings because she loves playing matchmaker. And she doesn't realize that they actually are their own independent beings with their own thoughts that might not necessarily act the way she wants them to. Case in point being Mr. Elton, who she thought was interested in Harriet Smith and turns out he's not. So she loves her dad. She also cares very deeply about the people in her life. So at the same time, she is careless. But if the people close to her, she does treat them well. Yeah, and she's like look out for simultaneously the absolute worst and also ride or die for the people that she likes. Yeah. Like I, I listened to, to Emma on audiobook and I <laughs> literally as it was going, I was like, are you kidding me? Like this girl needs to just like <laughs> tone it down a little bit my god 
also like but... even Harriet Smith like she just like hears about Harriet Smith and immediately is like oh I want to befriend this girl I want to take her under my wing and she does like wa- like she wants Harriet to do well but she is also setting unrealistic expectations and hindering her I don't want to say prospects but like basically hindering her prospects because when Mr. Barton does propose it is actually a, a good marriage for her to go into and she already likes him so it's like good on all accounts but she's like no you have to aim higher you have to go for Mr. Elton but like Mr. Elton turns out to be trash yeah and then finally Mr. Knightley who we've like briefly mentioned before but I don't even think we've said his name in like any introductory capacity yet he is our leading man He's 16 years older than Emma. Which... We do not see. We do not see that. <laughs> we we really don't see that. Like, I can't even do variations of this because I read them. And, like, I read a few. And so many of them were, like, he was enraptured with Emma from the second that he held her in his arms when he was 16. And she was, like, just born. And I was like, nope. That, that, just, that is some, like, Jacob and Renesmee type... Yeah, it's real. Nonsense. No, no. So we just pretend that that's not what's happening. So he bickers with Emma a lot. He like holds her accountable for like the position she holds in society. So like while everyone else is like, oh, Emma, it's so great that you're playing matchmaker. He's like, no, it's not. Like you're ruining people's lives. Will you Will you chill out? Or when she's really mean to Miss Bates that one time when she snaps. Yeah. Yeah. He is like, why would you do that? And yeah. then she actually feels bad for her actions once in her life. Yeah. So basically, he is a catalyst for Emma Woodhouse's like change in multiple ways, both like in terms of their friendship and also their like developing romantic entanglement. Entanglement is an aggressive word. Their relationship. Relationship. But he's very honorable. Like, he basically, he does his duty as a gentleman, as one might say. He takes care of the people around him. He is just, like, really nice. And he treats his tenants well. Because isn't Mr. Martin one of his tenants and he, like... Yeah, I think so. So he's not a horrible landlord. Yeah. Yeah, which is good. We love that. Also, he just, like, comes and hangs out with Mr. Woodhouse, who is kind of the worst. And also, like, I love Mr. Woodhouse personally, but he could get on a nerve. And he just, like, comes over and hangs out with Emma who, as we've established, can be really freaking annoying. So he's just, like, nice. Also, there are, like, a few moments where he's just, like, hard-eye emoji. Like, if I had loved you less, I might be able to talk about it more. Oh, my heart. Yes, which is arguably one of the best lines in Jane Austen, besides I am half agony, half hope, which Annabelle has not read, but read yet. I haven't yet. read Persuasion yet, uh, so yeah, I haven't but, read that one yet. But she's getting ready because it's amazing. And the most romantic thing that I think happens in any of the books that I've read of Jane Austen's, which is he decides to not not like legally give up his home, but he decides to move into Emma's house when they married, basically to take care of her father. Because uh, like we mentioned before, her father had like attachment issues. So like moving away from him would have been a big issue. And he basically is just like, I love you, like I'll move in there. So he's not like the master of his own house in that situation when he could be. And honestly, I think that that's the absolute most romantic thing in the world. I mean, yeah, because um, he literally didn't have to. And Emma, 
I, I think she asked him and he was like, yeah, it makes sense. Because I, I also think Mr. Knightley already saw Mr. Woodhouse as kind of, I don't want to say father, but maybe like an uncle. Yeah. Which kind of is weird now that I say that. <laughs> but like he saw him as like an important figure in his life. And so he knows yeah. that he can't, he could just like take Emma to go live at wherever the name of his house Donwell is. Donwell Abbey. Yeah. But it is so sweet and so nice that like, he literally doesn't even question it. He's like, yeah. I will move in with you and then maybe once Mr. Woodhouse dies they can move out but (laughs) we don't think about that yet I don't know if any other Jane Austen leading man would do that oh no well hmm. okay I think Mr. Darcy would not do that I think he would go insane if he had to live with the Bennets (laughs) see but I think that he's so in love with Elizabeth that he would Except for he really loved Pemberley's too, and then Georgiana would also have to come live with the Bennet. No, I think he would so, say no. Okay. I think he would, get, would. he would be okay with, like, moving in close, but not yeah. in the same house. I think he'd be okay with, like, the Bennets relocating to Pemberley. Yes. Like, he wouldn't enjoy it, but he would do it. But I don't yes. think he would move into Longbourn. Yes. I think Bingley would do it. Yeah, Bingley would do it, no questions asked. Yeah, he's just a puppy. I don't think that Tilney would do it in Northanger Abbey. Yeah, I think Colonel Brandon would. Yeah, Colonel Brandon definitely would. Edward Ferris? I hate him. Literally, if someone told him to, he would. (laughs) I think he would do it because Eleanor would tell him to. Yeah, well, that's the only thing way anything's getting done in that relationship. I I hate that man. Welcome to the Um, Edward Ferris hate club. Yeah, so of the ones that we want, we, we know Bingley probably would... And then the sense and sensibility men, one because he's nice and one because he just will not make a fucking decision. So moving on. (laughs) Either way, Mr. Knightley's is a nice one because he doesn't, no questions asked and he would not be upset about it. Yeah. And he's like, he's like honorable enough to be like, yeah, this is the right choice. Like he would actually actively make that decision. And he did. Yeah. So moving on. The first question that I have that I had when this I was a big one, it, it's a really big one. And I didn't have time to look up the academic analysis of this. And it was pretty thin on the ground on just like the regular Internet. But what do you think about Emma's sexuality? Because obviously she ends up with Mr. Knightley and they're like in love. And at one point she was like, I think I might be in love with Mr. Churchill, which is a really interesting scene that I want to talk about a little bit later. But throughout so much of this book, it's like she is obsessed with Harriet and not and it's like a little bit weird, not weird. It's it makes you think a little bit. It's like more than like a normal friendship. Yeah. Like, you know, like friends hype each other up. Like, that's just a thing. But she would just like rave about her beautiful blue eyes. And like when she whenever she'd talk to Mr. Elton about Harriet, it just like like there was a vibe there. Let's just be honest. And also just her like absolute obsession with Jane Fairfax. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I definitely think that she's at least bi. Like, I don't know. I, I see the vibes. I, I see how Emma could be interested in Harriet and also in Jane. Like, I really think that. I think, yeah, I think that's possible. I think it's really interesting, too, that, like, she... Like, if if you remember the scene that I was just talking about, about when she was, like, analyzing if she was in love with Frank Churchill, it was very, very clinical, which I thought was, like, just, like, an interesting concept in general, but it was very... Like, there wasn't really any attraction in it you know what I mean yeah and also 
she like says for so much of this book like she makes so many offhand comments we're like oh marriage is not for me like I'm not gonna get married yeah. and even when Mr. Elton proposes she's like why would you do that at the same time I will say like that doesn't necessarily mean anything yeah just because she did have 30,000 pounds I just feel like because she was so like adamant about that for so long yeah that's so strange for like an Austin heroine to yeah. be so strongly against marriage. Yeah, like explicitly against marriage because I know yeah. Jane Bennett and Elizabeth Bennett in Pride and Prejudice, they were very like, I only want to marry for love, but they weren't yeah. like against marrying. Yeah. But yeah, Emma like does not really entertain the idea, but she aggressively like, I'm going to say pursues Harriet mm-hmm. and seeks her out. And literally talks to her 24-7 about everything. Also, she paints her. I don't it know. It's like the way that she talked about Harriet. Because yeah, that was the thing that when Mr. Out, was there. Yeah, she would start pointing out like... All of her, her yeah. like, beautiful features. And then she was like, oh, this needs to be framed. She's so beautiful. Mr. Elton, isn't she so beautiful? Like, But also she was playing a Mr. Elton. So like there is... Like we're not saying that she is bi. We're just saying that she canonically like, could be <laughs> so that's how, what we're deciding is happening i just feel like she really stands out compared to other like jane austen female characters yeah even i would the definitely ones, agree like, with that even the ones that take someone under their wing mm-hmm. so if you were to write a fan fiction of emma and you could pair them up, pair her up with anyone who would it be I'm going to need to think about this one. Okay, because I know yesterday we were talking about a Emma Jane Knightley thruple. Oh, yes. (laughs) So, like, that seems, that's, like, the highest level, I think. That's the dream team right there. Yeah, I think, yeah, 100%, I'm 100% for an Emma Jane Knightley thruple. I think that would, that would be superior. That would blow every, uh, everything out of the water. For real. Because, let's be honest... Frank Churchill doesn't deserve Jane. Yeah, he doesn't. And a little enemies to lovers, like childhood rivals to to lovers, like that trope, impeccable. And like there was that that whole section where they were like, is Knightley in love with Jane Fairfax? Oh my so, god, I forgot about that. Also somewhat canon. So yeah, if there are any fanfic writers out there. Also, Harriet <laughs> was in love with Knightley. Oh yeah, a oh, square. But, see, but I, I'm not I don't into think, that though. Yeah. I think Harriet. Harriet is young and naive. Yeah, and she, and she, and Mr. Martin just deserve each other. Yeah, it's fine. I feel like in a relation, like if you were going to write an Emma Harriet or like Knightley Harriet, like I just feel like there's kind of like a power imbalance of some capacity yeah. because she is so like innocent. The other person yeah. is not, and I don't think it would work at long term. Yeah, but Emma agree. Jane Knightley or Emma and Jane would one hundred percent work out long term. Even though Jane, there is a power dynamic in or power imbalance because well, first Jane and Emma are both much younger than Knightley, but we decided we're not talking about that. <laughs> we but do also, not see. We do not see. But also, Jane is not rich. Like she was yeah. going to have to become a governess, except for I she. I mean, neither is Harriet. Yeah. I just meant like mentally. No, I meant like, like I meant like between Emma Knightley and Jane Fairfax. Yeah. Well, listen, that's never stopped literally any of Jane Austen's girls. So that's true. M- most of them have been poor and have <laughs> married rich. So I don't really that's think that's a big true. issue. That's very true. 
Um, Plus, Emma and Knightley have more than enough to take care of all three. Oh, that's very true. Like, Emma by herself exactly. has more than enough. But I think that, that would be, that's a thruple that I would want to see. <laughs> One of the only ones. <laughs> what did we talk about? Oh, we talked about how, like, they would get together because Knightley would not be into it until <laughs> Emma, like... He would be all honorable and Emma would be like, hey, guess who's moving into our marriage? And he'd be like, wait, what? Yeah, hello? Hi, Knightley. I've decided that actually we're going to go from, from two people to three. Welcome, Jane Fairfax. She is joining our marriage. <laughs> it has already happened. She's already moved in. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to say a word. It's done. Yeah, except for then he'd, he'd like try to hold her accountable. But, you know, that only works about half the time. He'd um, be like, Emma, <laughs> what are you doing? We can't do that. That's not right or whatever. And then she'd be like, uh, okay, whatever. Bye. <laughs> Well, Jade and I will be over here. Yeah, so... but we're going to be in the other room, so when you're ready, come join us. <laughs> Why are we like this? Okay, but it makes sense. When you it think about so it like that, sense. like, if he was coerced into it, but I don't want to say coerced. That's <laughs> A consensual coercement. Yeah. He was seduced into it. Basically. Emma Jane and Knightley are throuple. It's canon. Period. It's canon um... in my mind. <laughs> So that's that. So that's that on that. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yep. Okay, let's go to who would you invite to your dinner party? Of all, all of the them. characters. Okay. One hundred percent Miss Bates. Hundred oh, percent inviting Miss Bates. Definitely inviting Mr. Woodhouse. Definitely inviting Emma. Mr. Churchill can leave. He's not coming. Oh, Mr. Knightley can come. Harriet can come. Jane Fairfax can come. I'm debating whether or not I want the Eltons there just for the drama. I mean, they do have the drama. Yes, I would invite them for the drama, and I would also, Mr. Martin can also come with Harriet. Okay, so I know you say for the drama, I'm going to go at it from the, from the perspective of, like, who would I genuinely enjoy spending some time with? And wow. I would say Mr. Knightley, Jane Fairfax, and I think Harriet's fine. But um, Harriet fuck. could definitely be annoying, because she oh, is, yeah. like, she doesn't have a backbone, that's true. And she's she, like, she and Edward Ferris are perfect for each other. Yeah, actually, yeah. But I honestly, I feel like Harriet deserves better than Edward Ferris. That's I agree. Oh so... no, Mrs. Weston, Mr. and Mrs. Weston. Oh my God, yes, one hundred percent inviting them. They, we didn't really talk yeah. about them. We didn't really talk about them, but they are approximately the best characters in this book. Not in like the way that they're written, but like best as in like, oh, like you're a nice person who they're like isn't normal, super annoying. Yeah. And everyone else has something that makes them not normal. Yeah. Okay, so is this objectively Jane Austen's best work? And why or why not? I am going to say yes. So again, I'm going to keep prefacing this by saying I have not yet read Mansfield Park, but also from the reviews I've heard of like other people, especially people who are like really into Jane Austen, it's not a favorite. I've only seen the movie, and I did not enjoy the movie. Yeah, but I would just say that all of the characters in this book are so good. Like, they're, each one is so well-written. Even, like, the Westons, who we said are just, like, normal people, like, they're still engaging, and you still, like, they feel loving and nice, and you, like, want to be around them. But honestly, Miss Bates and Mrs. Elton, so like the two really annoying ones, they're just so on the nose that it's just so freaking impressive. And then you get all the other books 
and also the the thing is is that there's like approximately zero plot to this yeah it's all about the characters and the character growth so it's like she couldn't hide the characters or the writing behind an interesting plot yeah i literally cannot say enough about just like how good this book was exactly at one point i think i texted you 14 times in a row probably (laughs) just like saying stuff about it and like i i am a multi-texter but 14 is a lot even for me so like you said it really is the characters that does it for me for this book because every single character stands out and they all serve like they all are a specific trope mm-hmm. and i feel like even the characters that are super minor like yes we loki forgot the westons but i just feel like there's no forgettable truly forgettable character and like you love all of them even if they're trash except mm-hmm. for like mr elton and mr churchill i don't really love them despite the fact them being trash but also like the the characterization of it it's like caroline bingley from yeah. our last episode it's like do we hate her yes was she so well rendered yes yes because like mr churchill like when he came in came to highbury and then like immediately left for london to get a haircut like yeah like just like that type of detail is so yes. good so the characters truly are what make this book what it is. And also like Emma's character growth. When I read this, I was honestly so shocked at like how drastic of a growth she had in like the last like third, fourth of the mm-hmm. book. She like realizes all the mistakes that she's made and all of the bad choices she's done and how she's hurt other people like inadvertently. And she also goes and apologizes to Miss Bates. And in the end, all of this like makes her realize that she's also in love with Knightley mm-hmm. and then leads to that really really angsty scene at the end where they declare love for each other etc etc but yeah. Emma as a character her growth and the fact that she is kind of a bad person but you still like her and also empathize with her and root for her like well, Jane Austen did that like, she's not like a bad person though it's just she's flawed she's, yeah she's flawed but like and to like an in, a, outsider, in a way that's more more than again we keep going back to pride and prejudice but like it the flaw is more than just like i'm prideful and i'm prejudiced it's like you, you can like yeah. pick out like oh well that was shitty like she genuinely does things without a care for like how it, the actual impact it's going to have mm-hmm. like i honestly if harriet wasn't able to still get married to mr martin she could have like just ruined all of harriet's prospects yeah because like who else was going to marry her and this was like someone like who she liked already liked his family because she's like visited them often and like could support her well and was a nice person mm-hmm. that's not necessarily what she would get every single time she got a proposal yeah here's a, so here's another question did emma actually recognize her mistake with harriet or did she just like was it just like she realized she was in love with Knightley and then found out that Knightley was in love with her so then she was like oh I guess I don't really have to deal with that I think she did kind of recognize her mistake mm-hmm. I think when Harriet reveals that she is engaged to Mr. Martin she's not mad about it but also it could be relief that she was like oh good <laughs> like do whatever you want so I'm gonna you have don't to, take I think we might have to reread that scene to see yeah. what the feelings are yeah I agree 
the last thing that we were going to talk about before we we wrap up was the 2020 adaptation, which we both watched, but we haven't seen the other adaptations. But basically, one thing that I think it did really well was it developed the relationship with Harriet really well. And especially at the end during that scene, like it was it was very obvious that Emma changed. Yeah. Also, this is kind of related, kind of not, but the way that they use costuming in Emma's, like, characterization, like, her outfits, like, she was always the center of attention. Mm-hmm. Like, all the outfits were good. I just feel like her outfits were so extravagant and sometimes so ridiculous mm-hmm. because she had to remind you that she was always number one mm-hmm. and she was always there. Like, you could never miss her. You could never ignore her because she's she's always there looking good. I loved that. I loved the costumes. Overall, like TLDR, watch the 2020 adaptation. It's very good. But it's also good. have spark notes up if you haven't read the book. Because I did have to pause it multiple times and explain things to my mother. So. Yeah, I feel like it is easier to watch when you already know the story. Mm-hmm. Because there isn't really a plot, like we said. It is a lot about the characters interacting and characters coming and going. It is literally about that. <laughs> Like, yeah. <laughs> the amount of book time that is spent talking about when Mr. Churchill is coming and if he's coming and when he's coming and him supposed to be coming and then he doesn't show up. Like, it literally has to truly... be at least like 30% of the book yeah. is just like, where's Mr. Churchill? <laughs> exactly. Like, it's all about the comings and goings of Highbury. Mm-hmm. Either way, mm-hmm. Emma 2020 adaptation, beautiful. Like, the cinematography also is so beautiful. And the girl who plays Emma, I think it's Anya, Anya Taylor-Joy. Taylor Joy, yeah. So good. She's also in Peaky Blinders. And she's, she's also in some other... The Queen's Gambit. Yeah. She's which having I a moment. Have not watched, but she is having a moment and she deserves it because she's very good at her job. Yeah, she did a really good job as Emma. Mm-hmm. All the, like All of the actors were so good. All the oh, costumes, so good. Also, like, just have to put it out there, we get just like... It's like five minutes in, and there's just like... I think we should leave that as a surprise for the viewer. Okay. All we're going to say is that our first glimpse of Nightly is quite funny. Honestly, it's quite shocking, for me at least. I was not expecting that from a Jane Austen adaptation, but... No, but, you know, it was a blast. I'm not mad about it. I'm not either. It's the Emma version of the Colin Firth lake scene from the 1995... (laughs) Pride and Prejudice miniseries. Very true. So, just to just to conclude our section on Sum Emma, up our thoughts. <laughs> sum up our thoughts. This book is very good, and we believe that it's objectively her best work. Drama, 10 out of 10. Characters, 10 out of 10. Okay, before we say goodbye, we're going to do a brief what we're reading. Annabelle, what are you reading? So, I'm currently reading Heart in Hand by Rebel Carter. It's funny enough that this is what I'm reading right now because it is about a thruple. <laughs> it's a historical romance that is also like a mail order bride romance <laughs> and also a polyamorous romance. It is a thruple. It's about this this young woman and she is kind of sick with the New York high society because she is half black and so she's kind of ostracized a little bit and so she's like you know what I'm done with this and I want to be independent and so she accepts basically a post in the like the matrimonial newspaper (laughs) to go be a teacher and marry 
these two dudes in Montana, and she does that. I was really dumb and did not read the description of the book, so when I realized that she was marrying two men, I was like, wait, what? I mean, it's a move. I was not prepared for it. I'm not mad about it. I was just (laughs) really not prepared for it, because they had, like, they had not really truly mentioned it until, like, maybe in the end of the second chapter or something, so... I mean, sounds like a blast. Yeah, she's ha- she's she's having a good time. That's all I will say about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm embarrassed for saying that. <laughs> okay. So well, good for her. Yes, good for her. I am like fifty four percent of the way through, and I am. It's fun. It's a fun read. Okay, good. There's there's like hinting of a little bit of drama. I'm excited for the drama to unfold. As we established in the last episode, I love drama. She does love drama. So Sarah, what are you reading? I'm reading like 8 million just like smart people books, which I don't know why I keep On brand. I, you know, I wish I was reading a romance, but I've decided I cannot open another book until I finish at least one of these. So I am reading Helen of Troy, Goddess, Princess, Whore, which is a like a nonfiction about basically all the information that like we actually have about Helen of Sparta slash Helen of Troy slash what like the myths are, how she was like treated like a deity, all that fun stuff. I'm not super far into it, so I'm really at the beginnings. Another one is Exo Orpheus, um, which is a collection of short stories and it's like 50 new myths. Some of them are good, some of them are less good. Haven't really figured those out yet. I'm reading Aurora Lay, which is a epic poem, which was written in the Victorian era by Elizabeth Barrett Browning. And it's like good, but it's hard. And I'm reading a collection of poems called Resistencia, which are like poems of resistance from Latin America. And there's like the English translation, and then there's the Spanish slash Portuguese slash French translation, depending on what, what language the author originally wrote it in. And I am reading Mayday, which is about the largest mass arrest in U.S. history, which happened like near the end of the Vietnam War. And I've just started an arc for Dearly, which is Margaret Atwood's new poetry collection. So I need to finish one of those so I can read a romance. That's a lot. I know. But all very on brand for you. I know. I usually don't pick up this many books at one time. Um, I usually do. So we are we are role reversed right now. Oh, I guess I also have one in the works at work, but I haven't read it in like two weeks. So thanks for listening to our second episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope we've maybe got the the wheels of the brain turning a little bit about Emma. And you should definitely follow us on Instagram. We're on dot our dot shelves on Instagram. And feel free to message us too. Yeah. About no really anything, but yeah. specifically if you have anything to say about Jane Austen, we'd love to hear it. But also specifically your thoughts on Emma's sexuality and if this is objectively Jane Austen's best work. And if you disagree, let us know why. Yes. And then next episode we will be talking about Sense and Sensibility where we will just rag on Edward Ferris. <laughs> yes. You have been prepared. I believe in the last episode I also said I hate Edward Ferris. Yeah. So you know what's coming and hopefully you're looking forward to it because we sure are. All right. So thanks for listening. 
And thanks for checking out what's on, on our, our shelves. shelves.